Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. In the previous program, I was talking about Galatians chapter 4, where the Apostle Paul was defending his position before the Galatians, that yes, it just so happens that he had a problem with his eyes, that he had an infirmity, and what I was explaining in the previous program was that this could be looked at in a very negative way from a pharisaical point of view. From the point of view or from the perspective of a person who is wanting to live according to the Mosaic Law, they would see that as a sign or as an indicator that this individual was being cursed by God because of their sin. So Paul presented this issue before the Galatians and told them, listen, you you folks were more than excited about seeing me and you were very thankful for me being there. I became like you in the sense that I abandoned the way of life under the law and lived like a Gentile in that abstract sense. He became like them and they accepted him. They embraced him and he shared the gospel with them and they experienced change and transformation and they discovered the love and acceptance of God and they lived in the newness of life on the basis of the inheritance that they had received. But when these people came from Jerusalem to speak with the people there in Galatia, they told them something else. These people from Jerusalem told them, listen, you folks need to become like us. You need to become like us and you need to live like we do. And the way that we live is according to the Mosaic law so that we can be blessed because of our obedience. And of course, the message of the gospel was very simple. You have been blessed because of Christ's obedience. You have received in Christ all the blessings in heavenly places so that you can now live on the basis of what you have instead of living with the hope and expectation that one day you would achieve something. But the truth is you never will because the law demands perfection. It demands complete obedience. And without that, you will receive nothing but the curse. So this was the situation that Paul was referring to in Galatians chapter 4. And his defense was not to say, don't worry what these people are saying about the law. Don't worry about the law. He did not say, do not worry about the law. He did not say, forget the law, ignore the law, just Pay attention to the gospel and the new covenant. Don't worry about the old. He did not say that. He said the exact opposite. In verse 21, this is Galatians chapter 4, verse 21, he says, Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? In other words, you must know the law. Use the law as your defense against those who are trying to impose the law against you. There has been so many occasions when I have spoken with people in the Christian world after a life under the law, 
where I have encountered numerous people, an enormous number of people who have confronted me over issues concerning the law, saying, well, you know, the law says this, and this is sin, and so we definitely don't want to sin, do we? We, we need to obey the law, don't we? Things like that. I have heard this so many times that I have no need to hear of it anymore, because to me the answer is simple. Those who preach the law, those who proclaim the law, in my opinion, are people who don't know the law. They don't know it. You must know it. You must hear it. All of it. Not just the parts that you think are easy to obey. Not just the parts that you find appealing, that you find interesting, that you find culturally exciting. No. Pay attention. Pay attention to the law. Know the law. Hear the law. Many occasions have I asked people, what is the penalty for committing this sin that you are so concerned about? What is the penalty? And they don't even know. They have no idea. I asked them, what is it? What is the penalty? What is God going to do to you? He told you exactly what he would do, and you don't know what it is. And you're talking to me about, I should be living this way, we should all be living this way, and you have no idea what his expectations are or why. Hear the law. That is the defense. Now, Paul goes on to give a symbolic explanation. In Galatians chapter 4, beginning in verse 22, he gives a symbolic explanation to show you that there are two different covenants, two completely different, unrelated covenants. And I emphasize this because I encounter an enormous number of people who still try to blend the two together. They try to hang on to both and try to figure out how to fit them together in some way so that they don't have to let go of the knowledge of good and evil as it is described under the law. They still want to live that way. They do not want to embrace the fullness of the new covenant. And so Paul symbolically describes the struggle and the issue. But by doing so, he declares clearly that there truly are Two completely different covenants, beginning in verse 22. This is Galatians chapter 4, verse 22. He said, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a bondwoman and the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through the promise which things are symbolic. Now pay attention. One is through the flesh and the other is through the promise, which also means through the Spirit. It's a symbolic word referring to the Spirit. One is through the flesh, one is through the Spirit. This is a symbolic representation of how we live today. We can either live in the flesh or we can live in the Spirit. The one way of life according to the flesh is a life in bondage, and the other way of life according to the Spirit is a life of liberty, freedom, peace, and joy, and rest in Christ Jesus. Continuing in verse 24, he said, "...which things are symbolic, for these are the two covenants." The one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar, for this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. So if you ever want to know where Mount Sinai is, it is in Arabia. 
This can be a little awkward sometimes because if you look at the maps that we normally have in our Bibles, they often give the impression that Mount Sinai is not in Arabia, but it says clearly right here that it is in Arabia. In fact, a a significant amount of archaeological research has been done on this already, and I would definitely like to encourage you to pursue this and investigate this matter because I think it's very interesting to see the mountain that people have discovered and the pillars that have been discovered, one on each side of the Gulf of Aqaba that declare that the Israelites crossed at that location. There's a lot of really good history associated with this, but I'm not going to take the time in this program to talk about the historical issues concerning where Mount Sinai is. Instead, what I would like to stay focused on is the issue that Mount Sinai refers to the bondage. This is where Bondage came from, again, in verse 24, which things are symbolic for these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage. The law is bondage. It gives birth to bondage. It puts people in bondage. Why would God want to put people in bondage so that they would see that they are already in bondage? That's why to exaggerate the bondage that they are already in to stir up more sin is another way of describing this, so that an individual would finally see the slavery, the bondage that they are truly in, and then they are ready to receive the good news of the new covenant. Continuing in verse 25, it says, For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children, referring to the Jerusalem where these people were coming from to bother the Galatians about how they were living according to the truth that had been revealed to them with regards to the new covenant. That Jerusalem, that place, was defined by Moses. It was defined by the law. It was defined in the sense that God told the children of Israel that there would be a place that would be established for his name, and that was Jerusalem, and that was the established place for the law to fully be invoked, the Levitical priesthood to be in power, the temple to be in existence, so that the people would serve there in the place that was referred to by his name. It was called by his name. That place is Jerusalem. The people who were coming out of Jerusalem were bringing the bondage. They were bringing the law into the church in Galatia. And Paul makes this association so that he can say from the symbolic references that these people are here to put you into bondage. They are not here in order to set you free so that you can live in the newness of life. Not so that you can live a life of indulging your flesh, but so that you can live in the other way of life that has nothing to do with the indulgence or the restraint of the flesh. It has everything to do with living the new life that our God has created for us, who are the new creation in Christ Jesus. Continuing in Galatians chapter 4, verse 26, it says, But the Jerusalem above is free which is the mother of us all, for it is written, Rejoice, O barren, you who do not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor, for the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. Referring to the symbolic nature of the children of God that will be born through the power of the Holy Spirit, not through our flesh. 
in verse 28. Now, we brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. But as he who was born according to the flesh then persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, even so it is now. Even so it is now. And today, it still is. Even today, there are still an enormous number of people who are teaching people to be under the law. They are teaching people that they need to live a life of obedience and repentance and of restraint of the flesh. And those are the people who persecute those who rest in his forgiveness, who rest in his love, who rest in the truth that has been revealed to them and their faith is expressed through their daily lives as they live their lives according to the truth that has been revealed and they experience the freedom and the liberty to love others as God loves them. We are the people who are being persecuted today from those individuals who still want to hang on to the old covenant of Jerusalem in the same way that the Galatians were being persecuted back then by those who were in Jerusalem in order to put them into bondage. Nevertheless, in verse 30, nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Now, in verse 30, he uses the word heir, referring to an inheritance. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute, but first, before I do... I want you to understand that there is only one solution, one solution for you. If you are in a church, if you are in a religious institution of some kind, surrounded by people who live their lives according to the law, there's only one solution for you personally. You must cast them out of your life. There is no other way. It is not your obligation to try to find some way to transform and change these individuals. So unless the Lord specifically has given you instruction to be there in their presence, don't waste your life and don't waste his. Get out. You certainly can't cast them out in the sense of telling them to leave the building. At least I wouldn't expect you to be able to do that. No, you must remove yourself. That is how you cast them out. You're not going to be able to command them or declare anything or speak anything into existence. You must remove yourself and cast them out in that context. Do not waste your life. Do not waste the life of Christ in a place that he has not directed you to be. There is nothing there but bondage and slavery. And I understand that you're going to feel alone because, for the most part, To believe the truth, in many ways, is to be alone. That's the way it is. That's the way it always has been. Now, I believe that the Lord will provide one, two, maybe three brothers or sisters who you may be able to have fellowship with. Any more than that, I would consider that to be a miracle of God. It's very difficult to find a congregation of people of any substantial size who recognizes that they have been forgiven and they have been set free from the law. But there is no other way. You must depart. You have to. You have to live according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. You have to live according to the church in Jerusalem, the true tabernacle in the Jerusalem that is in heaven. 
in the temple that is in heaven, the Lord Jesus is the high priest in the true tabernacle that is in heaven before the true ark. The temple here on earth was nothing more than a copy. The Ark of the Covenant that was here on earth was nothing more than a copy. The temple was a copy. And you know, the churches that we have today are nothing more, for the most part, than copies of the temple, which was a copy of the real thing, which is in heaven. Folks, start living in the reality of heaven right now. Live in the reality of the true tabernacle, of the true priest, of the true mediator, of the true and living God, and live in the inheritance that you have already received. You know, this religion that people embrace, this religion that people live by, is all based on one thing, and that is that you're trying to get something out of God. That's generally what people are pursuing. But when you realize that you have already received an inheritance in Christ, which is everything you need for life and godliness, then what else could you possibly pursue? To stay in this environment of bondage is to be continually beaten down, beaten down by these people who will oppress you to the extent where you will begin to forget what you know you have in Christ Jesus. You will stop living on the basis of what you have in Christ Jesus. And one day, when you discover how oppressive these people really are in your life, you will then hopefully recognize that all you can do is cast them out, because there is no hope otherwise. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. We are heirs heirs of Christ Jesus, and we have received an inheritance in him. Now, because of that, because of that truth, we have everything we need and we are to stand fast. Continuing in chapter 5, verse 1, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. Now, what religious people love to do is they love to look at this and say, well, he's just talking about circumcision. That's all he's talking about. Any other law? Well, you know, it's up for grabs by all means. You know, we might be able to go ahead and take some of the laws, you know, the moral laws. We we definitely need those. We don't want to take away those or the criminal laws. We don't want to let go of those. But that's the problem. That's the point, is that you must let it all go in order to walk according to the faith that he has called us to, according to love. But the people in Jerusalem would say something totally different. They would say, no, you are to walk in such a way that your faith works in such a way that works are manifested within and through you that are described as obedience to the commandments. So there is an agreement that faith will be working within and through an individual. But the Apostle Paul says that the work that will be done will be the manifestation of the love of God within and through us, 
Whereas the people in Jerusalem would claim that the work would be a person living in obedience to the Mosaic law. But would they? Will you? Never. You will never live according to the law as the law demands. What do you want to tell me? You want to tell me, well, I can get better, I can get closer to what the law demands, and you really think that that's impressive? You really do? I know lots of people. I can give you names, addresses, phone numbers. I can tell you about lots of people who are definitely a lot more impressive than you think you will ever be. And these people don't even acknowledge the Lord Jesus at all. In some cases, they don't even believe that there is a God who lives and participates in our world at all. So who are you to say to me or to anyone who knows better? You might be able to find some people who don't know better. I can understand that. But for those of us who know better... You really believe that your faith working its way through the restraint of your flesh is impressive? You think that's something? Well, try the love of God, the manifestation of the forgiveness of God, the manifestation of the acceptance of God, His patience, His kindness, His self-control, His gentleness, His wisdom, His understanding, the life in Christ is about knowing your God and Him knowing you and being a participant in the creation of life as people embrace the Holy Spirit of God and are resurrected from the dead. But instead, you probably want me to sit down with you and ask you something like, so brother, you uh, have you been circumcised? I mean, can you hear how dead that is? Uh, tell me, brother, uh, have you had a bacon double cheeseburger lately? I mean, what does that have to do with anything when you compare that with the manifestation of the true and living God, the one who dwells in unapproachable light, who will manifest himself within and through his people in such a way that the invisible God will be manifested in a visible way so that people may see him for who he is. And the revelation of his heart is manifested as he illuminates our hearts in such a way that we can see the very heart of God. But instead, people are saying things like, so when the sun went down on Friday evening, I suppose you never turned any lights on in your house, did you? Now, that's right, isn't it? I mean, that's what people are dealing with. That is the comparison between the old covenant and the new. One is of the flesh, the other is of the spirit. One is of bondage, the other is of liberty. One is of bondage to sin and the other is of liberty from sin. Liberty to live in the life, in the love, in the grace and mercy of God. You must choose. You must choose to surrender to the new covenant that he has established. There is no other way. Faith working through love. You know, faith is nothing more to me than the response to the truth that he has revealed. When I rest in the love that he has for me, his love will be manifested within and through me. His love works through me, through the faith that I have. And in addition to that, my faith works through the love that he has given to me personally. He has revealed the truth that he loves me by explaining to me that he doesn't hold my sins against me anymore. That's one small way that I can embrace the truth that he loves me. And when I trust in that, and when I respond to that, 
His love works within and through my faith in such a way that His love can then be a result of the working within and through my faith. It is a cycle of faith increasing love and love increasing faith and faith increasing love and love increasing faith. And there is no end to this experience. There is no end to this continual cycle of life, of growth and maturity. There is no end to the revelation of God. So again, beginning in Galatians chapter 5 verse 1, he says, Stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage, which means do not be entangled again with a law of any kind. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. He will profit you nothing because when you turn your life away from him and to the law, because that's what you've got to do, you've got to turn away from his love and forgiveness and his acceptance in order to turn to the law so that you can be rejected by your God for your failure, so that you can be embarrassed before your God for your failure, so that he can be ashamed of you because of your failure. You have to turn away from him. And in that way, he will then profit you nothing. Nothing. You might as well not even believe in Jesus at all if you turn back to the law. I realize that for those who are born again and are babies in Christ, I realize that this is a real struggle because you don't know the power of the Lord Jesus in your heart outside of the law until after, until after he does this work within you. So you must trust, you must have patience, you must give him the time, give him the chance. If it takes a lifetime, then by all means let it be so, because it still is the truth. But when you see him work within and through you, outside of the law, through his love and mercy, when you see that he transforms everything about who you are from the inside to conform you to his image, then you will know the prophet that he speaks of. And then you will know the prophet that people reject and turn away from when they turn to a system of law, a system of works, a system of living according to the knowledge of good and evil. In verse 3, And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. Folks, Estranged from Christ? Fallen from grace? Take those words seriously. And I will continue with this in the next broadcast. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937. Or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net